Welcome to Two Therapists Talking. The hope for this podcast is to talk about important issues related to couples and individuals who are struggling in their lives with many different issues. I'm David Thompson, a marriage and family therapist. And I'm Sherry Christensen, marriage and family therapist. Please join us as we explore these issues together, and we hope you will learn and be enlightened along the way. Come find us at twotherapisttalking.com. If you like what you're hearing, please get on and rate us and subscribe to the podcast. Hi, welcome back to Two Therapists Talking. I'm Sherry. And I'm David. And we are going to jump right back into the concept we were talking about last episode. So if you missed that, please go back and listen to that one first. It will help a lot. Really is we're just really kind of continuing right along with what we were talking about before, which is the concept of healthy couples and really healthy relationships. Yes. But we're going to kind of look at healthy couples and what healthy couples do. Uh, Like David said last time, there's a million things that have been talked about. We're going to focus on three things. And those three things are being loving, clearly communicating, and holding boundaries. And last episode, we were talking about being loving and what that looks like and what that doesn't look like. And there's just so much there. And I think a lot of where we get a little confused or we're a little uncertain is seeing, okay, where's that balance between loving myself, loving someone else, uh, and doing the hard thing sometimes is much more loving than the easy thing. Definitely. And looking at our own motives, we talked about looking at what our own motives are, in terms of why we're doing what we're doing. And is this about us or is this about trying to get something, uh, this unconditional versus transactional space of real love versus counterfeit love. And so that's kind of what we were talking about last time. So we want to continue to give and talk through some of these examples of what is loving versus what is not because these kinds of examples are what kind of helps you pull apart the motive pull apart is there a transactional element in that am i actually being loving am i actually willing to do the hard thing right so just as a reminder david tell us again the definition from m scott peck that we are moving off of that we're using as we're talking about this concept So he defines it as love is the will to extend oneself for one's own or another's spiritual growth. And, you know, an interesting concept, which I want you to think about, especially in the context of a relationship and a spouse and a spouse who has hurt you, for example, who recently was discovered in infidelity or has told you about pornography or masturbation you didn't know before A really interesting concept to consider is whether or not you believe them to still be lovable. And that's kind of an interesting question, right? Mm -hmm. But we often will say, well, of course, I mean, they're lovable, but, and we'll go into what they did. But that will greatly impact how we treat them and how we talk to them and how we show up for them. 
Yes. If we, at our core, kind of, sort of, maybe, yeah, maybe they don't deserve love, which is a weird thing to think about, but we treat each other this way often, where yes. it's almost like sometimes we just need the reminder, hold on. Sherry's talked about this concept before of people are worth suffering for, and it's mm-hmm. true. Are they lovable, and do they deserve good things like my love, despite what they've done? And yes. I'm, I'm not at all saying that you're not doing this, because <laughs> I don't know, but it's always kind of a good reminder to think about, okay, they've, they've been doing things, they've been deceptive, dishonest, they've been misleading, maybe gaslighting, justifying lots, hiding, keeping secrets. Mm-hmm. Are they still lovable? Yeah. And can I still show up in ways that treat them like they are? Or do I maybe no longer believe it? Or there's things getting in the way for me. So that's the question. Yes. Are they worth... And so if someone is lovable, what we're saying is, are they worth extending yourself for to support them in that spiritual, which isn't like a uh, necessarily a religious space. It's more of an emotional, uh, physical, like a growth space, right? Becoming their highest self. Right. And... So sometimes it's helpful uh, for my clients if I if I back that even down to like a respect space, hmm. right? That are you yeah. being respectful? Are they deserving of respect even if they're making these other choices? And that that is a way to like lead into the space of love. That at the at the very most basic, they still ought to be treated with respect, and sometimes. You know, even if there isn't something big, sometimes it's something small that mm-hmm. just hits us the wrong way, right? Um, maybe your relationship doesn't have any infidelity or any addiction or anything like that, but there's just times that you just get on each other's nerves mm-hmm. and they just do something that just <laughs> irks you, right? <laughs> even in those situations, it can be easy to to kind of step into this mental place of, lowering your own uh, willingness to be a loving person, your right. own value and standard right? in order to have that retribution or just, ah, they just don't deserve me being nice to them. Right. Yeah. right? I'm going to demonstrate by my not being nice. And I've definitely done this before, <laughs> right? Like we're we not have, some yeah. super experts at, right. at loving, uh, but I've definitely done that before where someone does something that just really irks me and it's like okay well I'm going to act in this way that isn't loving in order to show them <laughs> that them. <laughs> they need to be treating me better or they need to be more loving toward me mm-hmm. but what have I just done now my side of the street's not clean because wow. I'm not acting in a respectful way however that looks if I'm you know just being extra gruff or you know not talking to them and but do you see how that can be the same thing doing the same thing not talking to them you know silent treatment or not wanting to be in the same room as them walking out of the room that can be a very a a space where I'm trying to get them to change right where I've stepped into this manipulative space or this transactional space but I can do the same thing where I've created space where I just don't feel comfortable being in the same room or I just mm-hmm. need some space for myself. 
where I'm not really talking to them because I really need to focus on myself. And that can actually be a really loving right. space. And so these little nuances of our motive and checking ourselves is a critical thing when we're looking at being loving. Yep. And one of the other examples I know we wanted to talk about is sometimes in, uh, in addiction, so we've used a lot of examples on the spouse right. side, right? So one of the big examples that we see all the time on the addict side is they've acted out, they've done something. And then it's like, well, I don't want to tell them because then that will hurt their feelings. And then that will, that will be unloving and unkind and that will hurt them and damage them and all of the things. And so we can, they continue to hide what they're doing, right? In order to not be unloving and, and dump all of that on their spouse. Mm-hmm. I always chuckle when they tell me that. Mm-hmm. I kind of try to make a show of it a little bit and get their attention <laughs> like, what is going on? And I say, think about that for a minute. So it's not the doing it. Yes. What you're telling me is it's the telling them that you did it that's so bad. And that always gives them pause. Like, well, I mean, I, it's the doing it. Yes. <laughs> it's like, okay, yeah, of course it's the doing it. If, if you have the option to not be honest, then you're never going to learn anything. You just get around the consequences by not sharing what happened. Yeah. And um, it's certainly not loving in the relationship. No. That is very much a, this is actually about me. Right. And what I think is good for me rather than being stepping into the vulnerable space of being loving and saying, hey, this is what's actually going on. And I want to still be able to work on us and I want to be able to show the trust that is critical in being able to connect and all of that, yeah. build that loving relationship. Which is, which is a really important, for example, if we were going to go through a disclosure process, being honest is love. Mm-hmm. It really, really is. We get Amen. sidetracked with, well, what happens if I'm honest? And then all of these consequences. Well, sometimes you just do the loving thing and honesty That's is That's a stretch, loving. right? It That's is. what we're talking about. It's a sacrifice. Love is mm-hmm. a sacrifice sometimes. It's not the easy thing to do. It's extending yourself. Yep. And that's, I think, exactly, that's a beautiful example of being loving is showing up in an honest way. Even though it's going to damage the trust in the relationship. Well, being honest isn't going to damage the trust in the relationship. Let's clarify that. (laughs) Learning about what happened damages trust. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, you still have to be honest because that's, Really, you know, that's the irony a little bit is that's how you begin to regain and rebuild trust as well. So what happened hurts the -hmm. relationship, but your being honest about it starts the healing recovery that you need. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the other things, if we're talking about specifically a relationship where we have some addiction and betrayal trauma, again, all these concepts are 
completely applicable in, in all relationships, all marriages, all of that. But looking at it from this specific angle, we want to talk really briefly about what it looks like to make sure that you are finding that balance and loving yourself through this process of disclosure and recovery and all of that on both sides with the spouse and with the addict. Right. So tell us, David, a little bit about what that would look like on the uh, addict side. So on the addict side, we talk a lot about, well, number one definitely is a commitment to total honesty, which is often missing or lacking just Mm -hmm. out of fear, out of, you know, addictive parts trying to protect Mm -hmm. because addiction doesn't do very well if it survives at all in honesty. And so dishonesty and hiding have been so long a part of this. So really, I think the most loving thing you can do in a recovery process as an addict is to be completely honest. But also, you have to really take time to have a routine and dailies and start doing self-care. And a lot of it I've learned is emotional regulation and learning yes. about emotions and giving your emotions permission and yes. expressing them, expressing them to others, expressing them in a journal or to your higher power. And knowing what to do with them. It's the hard work of the recovery, but it's all so loving when you have dailies and when you have a routine that is interfering with the way things always used to be. For example, Mm -hmm. um, your downtime is going to change. It's not going to be gaming or, or binging Netflix and, and different things. Not that you can't ever do those things, you know, whatever it is that you're using to escape. But it's really managing your time better, which is love. Yeah. And that's just the brilliantly cool thing about this is it just goes back to some of the things we were talking about in previous episodes that all the things that you're going to do in your recovery process are healthy living things, Right. right? Which means that they are ways that you are better loving yourself and other Mm -hmm. people. Yep. And so... The cool thing is, is, I mean, people often in addiction or in this, uh, in these long processes of, of recovery and healing and all of that are always looking for shortcuts. Like, how can we do this faster? (laughs) Right. Right. And most of the time the answer is, sorry, like this isn't a, a faster, you can't find the shortcut. But this is a killing two birds with one stone stone situation. Doing the recovery process, having those dailies, having, Mm -hmm. you know, that routine and managing your downtime. All of those things are recovery things that are really critical for that process and are super loving to yourself. Yep. Yep. It's, It's the hard work of real love. Yes. Because real love is sacrifice. Real love is not easy. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I think for clients that I have, it's the first time they've really learned about real love. Yes. Not that they had an easy life per se, but 
it puts things into perspective and they start to work on loving themselves instead of taking it for granted or not prioritizing it at all. Just mm-hmm. assuming, well, I'm probably okay, whatever. Yeah. Recovery becomes, no, you intentionally need to focus on loving you. Yes. And this is what it looks like. And it is more important than anything else. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. And then for the spouse, looking at that loving space, uh, usually that involves a lot of learning about and setting healthy boundaries mm-hmm. and doing stuff for themselves. Oftentimes in these situations, you get lost in the relationship. A lot of the women I, I see are lost in, got, have gotten lost in the relationship either as a parent or as a spouse. And so they're not doing the basic good, wonderful things that they need to be doing for themselves, their own dailies, right? their own uh, boundaries, uh, recognizing that difference between doing something to be vindictive or upset or punish versus doing something to stretch and to love and still respect, but with some space if needed. Yep. And so so those are some of the things that on the spouse side are really critical and being really aware of making sure you're not, again, also lowering your own values and standards and saying, well, it's fine because (laughs) they, whatever, right? So that's kind of on both sides of that balance space that you can fall uh, on the side of the spouse in recovery. Uh, so again, be getting more in touch with your own feelings and emotions that often get sloughed off to the side in order to try to keep the peace or make things work or whatever it is, those need to be brought back up as well mm-hmm. and connecting with those feelings. So the fascinating thing I hope that you have noticed here. And that we've mentioned before is oftentimes the exact things that we're having uh, an addict in recovery do are the exact same things that the spouses need to do. And all of these things are incredibly loving. Yes. And, And another example that I want to bring up in a relationship that I see often is what we call lowering your standard of love or care Mm -hmm. based on what your partner did. So for example, they come out and say, you know what, maybe I mentioned this when we were dating, maybe I didn't, but there's something that I've been carrying. I uh, have been looking at pornography. This is an ongoing thing and that's hurtful. And we can tend to say, okay, well, you sort of don't maybe deserve my best self anymore. (laughs) You sort of have to be at a distance. And, you know, it's reasonable that there's a lack of trust. Often, though, we'll also go beyond that into maybe we're not as loving anymore towards them, almost in a punitive, punishing kind of a way to teach them. Or if not to teach them, we're just so hurt, we're reacting to our own pain. Mm -hmm. And there is absolutely space in love to take breaks, to create time. That's why it's tied to the loving is tied to the clearly communicating and the holding boundaries. Right. But I would caution you to think about ways that maybe you aren't 
true to your own standard of being a loving person based maybe on what somebody or your spouse is doing Mm -hmm. because they still deserve love. That doesn't mean they're in your house or in your bedroom, but they do still deserve love. And if you think about what will motivate them to become their highest and best self, which again, that's not your responsibility, but there was some fine print in your marriage contract about that, helping your partner become their highest and best self. And the best way to do that Mm -hmm. is to be a loving person. Yeah. You can't make their decisions, but being a loving person is the best invitation they can receive because they'll want to be in your life and in the relationship. Mm-hmm. And we see often, at least I do, sometimes when there is infidelity, it points to a relationship that had struggled for a very long time prior. Mm-hmm. And so it's not, it, it's more an indicator of a problem than creating the problem out of nothing. Mm-hmm. And so how we are showing up in love or not is impacting these relationships for a long, long time. Yeah. And again, I think the clarification there is when you're lowering your lowering your standard of what love is that looks like well they deserve me to do this to them yeah because i you know because they did that or it's fine that i'm treating them like this because they did something worse they weren't loving either yes and they weren't and they weren't, and that's that's fine, and that's on their side of the street. But when we lower our side based on what they did, they did something worse, they weren't, you know, doing, you know, good job or whatever, so therefore what I do doesn't matter anymore than our side of the street is now right. not clean. Right. Right. And that's, and that's where the difference is between holding a boundary, right? And saying, wow, that infidelity was really painful. And I'm trying to figure out where I even am anymore and Mm -hmm. catch my footing. Mm -hmm. I need some space with you outside of the house or where I'm not connecting with you emotionally. That is different. And, you know, the interesting thing about that, I think, is that the purpose of the time and space is so that you can respond in loving yes. ways versus simply reacting mm-hmm. to whatever emotions you're feeling. Because yeah. you're, you're not being true to yourself when you don't act in loving ways because mm-hmm. you are a loving person. This is what's important to you and what you want to be. And so that time and space, I love it. I think it's really important. Yes, it's, it can be extremely critical. And so that is, again, that's where we come from, where it, this is a motive thing. Yeah. Instead of, so consider, why am I choosing to do the things I'm doing? Am I choosing to do this in order to give us the opportunity to bring ourselves closer and to give me the time to and space to heal so that I can offer my best self in the relationship? Or are you doing this because you're upset about what they did? You're trying to get back at them or it doesn't really matter that I'm doing this bad thing because they did something worse or they are also not loving. So it's fine that I'm not loving. Right. So being aware of those things, I think are extremely, extremely critical in order to determine where you're at on that scale. Mm -hmm. 
And again, you could be doing the same action and have it be vindictive or have it be loving. Mm-hmm. And so that's important to consider in terms of where your spouse is at too, is to really be able to even work with your therapist to have that third party be able to say, yeah, it looks like this person is doing this from my perspective and talking with them and working with them one-on-one. They're doing this from a space that is loving. They're doing this from a space of trying to improve or, you know, even being able to ask the therapist, how am I doing on that? Am I, do you see me as trying to be vindictive or, you know, exploring that so that you can really hold space for the other person and the things that they're trying to do to be more loving. Right. And I think another key point is just being aware that we're all going to blow it still. <laughs> we're all still learning and growing. And especially if you're recognizing ways you haven't been loving in right. the past yeah. and trying to do better, you're going to blow it. So no shame. Like this is all <laughs> part of the process and hold space for when the other person might be trying and then blow it kind of in the middle right. of that and trying to pick up those pieces that we're holding some, some appropriate space of grace for, both sides of that process. Yep. So I think we could probably have a whole bunch more examples and different things we could talk about with this. We always could. Yes. But there's a little kind of brief space into what that looks like to love. Yeah. And I hope you accept it with an open mind and not at all in the way of criticism or... Yes, this is not a place of shame. (laughs) This is a space of curiosity to move us towards loving ourselves more. Yeah. Right? By recognizing where we can shift and change and stretch ourselves. Yep. And also recognizing where other people are trying to come from. Yeah. I hope it was helpful. Thank you for joining us. Mm -hmm. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Two Therapists Talking. We look forward to sharing more conversations with you. Connect with us at twotherapisttalking.com or email podcast at twotherapisttalking.com. If you like what you're hearing, please get on and rate us and subscribe to the podcast.